gentlemen, it's 2022. It is the kickoff of lightning round. Everybody, it's great to see your beautiful faces again. Coop, Flynn, uh, I just called you Flynn because I've been watching Breaking Bad and I've got Flynn on my mind. <laughs> Gary is not here, though. We know he's in the chat and we wish him well. Um, but guys, how are we doing? I'm still just giggling like a little kid over that over that intro. This pod is so fun and I cannot wait for what's going to happen this season. Like, let's go. Yeah, that intro cracks me up, dude. I was brand <laughs> new, too. It's awesome. Play, play it again. Play it again. We're going to play our yeah, screw it. We're going to play it again. Why the hell not? It's only 30 seconds. Why not? Hello, everybody, and welcome into Lightning Round. No, it's Greg Zerline. No. Oh, I don't even know these people. <laughs> you have my solemn vow. We are done at Water Sea. Nintendo said fold. Till the next round. This is sitting on top of my Scott Fishbowl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a cup for Cooper Cup, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For our own vanity, we're doing. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I had to do my it's, own version of that. It's brand new, so we'll. Yeah, that's 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 the last time we'll play it this episode. For now, till we, you know, till we get bored and say screw it, why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're we're here in the 2022. I uh, posted a uh, show calendar. We're gonna have a lot of cool stuff uh, coming down the pike here uh, next week. We're gonna have Javis and Ty on. Uh, New York Yankees pitcher, um, also fantasy head, um, will be coming on to do, I believe, his earliest draft that he has ever done in his life because um, we are all degenerates and we've probably got a handful of drafts in and it's February and uh, that's just what the hell we do. But uh, yeah, got Brian Drake coming on, John and Pemba from Fantasy Alarm. So uh, I mean, we're pretty much all Fantasy Alarm anyway. I mean, we are. Yeah, so. I just want to say uh, congratulations, both you guys coming on to write some articles soon for, for the Fantasy Alarm. So it's, we're all just a big family now, right? It, it is. Hashtag F, uh, family. F-A-capitalized-M-I-L-Y. I get to use that now. You're going to start blasting those out there, yeah. I mean, New York Public Education, I'm lucky I can even spell it, but thank God for that hashtag. I mean, already behind the eight ball as it is. So, um, yeah, but tonight we're going to have actually a show tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about things that we learned in 2021. Um, because, you know, if you're not looking back and, you know, we, we were perfect. Nobody's perfect. Um, you know, we, we missed on a lot of players. We had some, but we missed on some other stuff. We can use that to uh, better ourselves in 2022. So um, I'm going to let you guys take the reins. Whatever, uh, whoever wants to go first uh, with, you know, doesn't even have to be any specific player takes uh, could be something just overarching the floors, whoever wants it. Yeah. So I'll start with an, with an easy one that I've been doing a lot of thinking about um, and that's how I'm going to treat injuries moving forward. You know, I've gone back and forth on this for a long time. Uh, so for me, I'm no longer, I'm actually doing, I'm kind of picking my side of the fence for both of these. I'm no longer fading guys for being injury prone unless they're actually injured at the time I'm drafting, whether it's now, whether it's August. Like if I get to August and a guy is healthy, I'm not going to try and play doctor or fortune teller or whatever and say, this guy might get hurt. You know what I mean? So like we've seen Evan Ingram, you know, a guy like that go these years where he gets hurt every single year, then all of a sudden he doesn't. We've seen Julio Jones, like everyone said, he was super injury prone. People forget that he was injury prone. 
and you know he broke a screw in his foot, and then he, all of a sudden he was healthy for a long time. Derrick Henry, right? Derrick Henry, you know the flip side. You think he can't be? You know he's going to be healthy, and then he gets hurt. There's there's a lot of guys like that where I'm not going to fade them because of that. You know, if there's certain guys that I don't think are maybe big enough to play the position, like, you know, a Raheem Mostert or somebody like that, running backs under 200 pounds, that's kind of a different story. But for me, I'm not going to take guys and, you know, fade them because they got hurt this year. On the flip side, if a guy is hurt in August, and this is the big one for me, if a guy is hurt in August, I'm going to fade that guy. I have to move him down. It doesn't mean I won't necessarily draft him, but think of all the people this year that thought, oh, I'm getting a discount on Saquon Barkley. I'm going to I'm getting a steal on Michael Thomas when he gets back. You know what I mean? Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., what a bargain. It's like we forget that these timelines aren't like they're super difficult to predict and when you have certain injuries, you lose a lot of muscle mass, you aren't practicing, you aren't in the rhythm. It's not like all of a sudden you just go right back to being awesome. Like a lot of times even when you come back, you're not that good. So for me, it, the way I'm treating injuries is going to change this year. I don't know about you guys, how you, if you have any philosophy on that, but uh, you know, I'm done trying to get a discount on a guy when I could just draft somebody that's going to play. Cause you can't lose six weeks waiting for Michael Thomas thinking you're just going to win the rest of it. You know? Oh yeah. That one hurt me like super bad. He, I drafted him in Scott fishbowl, but it was before the injury news came out. Had I known that was a thing, I wouldn't have touched him, but I mean, it still sucked. Like it sunk me pretty much. I was picking up all of my receivers off waivers and I agree with everything that you said, but I think that you also have to factor in with the might get hurt. You have to factor in the ADP. So somebody like Christian McCaffrey, who's only played 10 games over the past two years, if he's still going in the first round, which I've seen him go, I don't think that I can take that risk. Like, yeah, the reward might be really good, but just what he's put up over the past two years, I don't think that I can really trust him. But that's very player specific. I think as a philosophy in general, you're right on the head. But what injury is Christian McCaffrey going to suffer? Like, so you're projecting that he gets hurt. Well, how does he get hurt? I just think that his his usage and the volume has really taken a toll on his entire body. So I can't predict a specific injury, but I think I think he's going to get hurt. I don't know how, but. I don't so you're know. gonna fade Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry. You fade all those guys too. Dal- Dalvin Cook's never played a full season, so you just fade. He, you can't take him in the first round, definitely, right? Well, Dalvin Cook hasn't missed like nearly as many games as McCaffrey has, and it's about I, timing well, of the injury, though. Like when he separated his shoulder, if he said if he separated his shoulder in week five, then he would have missed a lot more games than just one. Right. Well, and I'm not exactly that excited about Dalvin Cook either, but I just think where Christian McCaffrey still is and where he is going, I just that's probably like just me being conservative and being weird, but I couldn't touch him. But I do think your philosophy is, is right. The way I look at it with, with a guy like Christian McCaffrey, if he's healthy in August, I'm not going to try and predict an injury for him. I'm just going to take him somewhere in the first round. You know, that's, that's the way I'm going with it this year. Cause I just think he, no one has the upside that that player has like, so, but I understand some people, you know, there are like, and with the way you're talking with this, Britt Flynn is that, you could, if you if you really think about hard enough, you might end up being a zero RB guy, like my guy Kevin here, and just say, hey, you know what? RBs in general get hurt more often, and, you know, everybody's been hurt. Alvin Kamara's been hurt. Zeke's been hurt. Like, you know, which guy – Joe Mixon's been hurt. I mean, which guy has – Austin Eckler. 
Nick Chubb. Eckler has been hurt every single year. So, I mean, it's like at a certain point, if you start thinking that way, that's the way it's going to end up being. That's why for me, a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who has upside of 100 catches if he doesn't get hurt, that's the exact guy that I do want to take. Like Kev will probably tell you right now, Nick Chubb, where he doesn't have the upside and he might get hurt, that gets a little bit scarier, you know? See, Nick Chubb is different. Uh, oh, so I'm going to go on record right now. I will draft Nick Chubb. The where where he's going right now at the end of the second, like I will I will draft Nick Chubb as my RB one, just because that that price is 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 very good for a running back that we know in real life is probably one of the better running backs in the NFL. Like as a pure runner, mm-hmm. now Christian McCaffrey averages about 25 fantasy points per game in PPR. So you know he's still going at 102 right now. You can flip flop between him and J- Jonathan Taylor, but um, if I'm going to pin my hopes on a running back, I'll still draft Christian McCaffrey because I know that when he is playing, he is an absolute monster. Like I will be fine with this. This question came up on Twitter about, would you rather have 15 points per game for 17 weeks or 25 points a game for eight weeks? I mean, you can make up that difference very easily if, if a running back, you know, misses eight games because he's going to likely win you six out of those eight weeks. So you, you, you want that upside. You want those 25 point per game guys. Now, you know, I, now, on that injury front, I, I look to a guy like Debo Samuel. If that role continues for him, if he's going to be playing at 200 pounds and if they're going to actually run him in the tackles, I mean, we'll see if that's this is a thing where this is going to continue for the 49ers, but that that could get a little bit dicey too as far as wear and tear on a, on a, on a wide receiver that's not really maybe physically equipped to be running the ball as many times as he has, especially late in the season last year. So that's where I kind of draw the line there where I have some concerns, but yeah, the nature of the beast at running back is those guys are always going to get hurt. Um, But I mean, I've done some research on, on running backs. I think I, you know, Coop, we talked about it, you know, running backs that have had RB one weeks, you can find them pretty much anywhere on the waiver wire. Um, you know, as far as running backs, you know, drafting the first between the first and third round, there's eight RB one finishes out of 17 weeks. Um, six of them came from running backs uh, in the ninth round or later. So, I mean, get outside of the dead zone. There are running backs. I mean, look at Duke, jo- Duke Johnson had a, had a RB one week. I mean, guys like Rashad Penny, uh, guys like Justin Jackson are putting out these running backs. You can find them. You don't have to go go ahead. I was going to say this kind of plays into what we were talking about kind of off off mic. So why not go right into your one of your points? Right. Like roll right into that uh, that point about the RB2s, man. Yeah, that's that's the topic. Exactly. RB twos do not. I mean, that is the least important position in fantasy to me. And that pretty much, you know, to me sums that up. I mean, right now, I mean, it may not be full on zero RB being like the, the, the winning strategy, but certainly anchor RB, you know, getting that one running back and being able to patch together RB two weeks that's that's where you're going to be able to get the most expected value out of your roster being able to draft wide receivers you know finding a tight end finding an elite quarterback 
and then you can patch this stuff together. I mean, you, you're able to find a bunch of RB one weeks from guys like, let me look just like James Connor went in the ninth round. Cordell Patterson went undrafted. Devonta Freeman, Devin Singletary, Elijah Mitchell, AJ Dillon, Alex Madison, Amir Abdullah, uh, Boston Scott. Like these guys are literally everywhere. Like there's no shortage of running backs and, and looking at how teams are, you know, dividing up these running back workloads. It's not just one guy anymore. The guy, the, the days with Sean Alexander and priest Holmes and Larry Johnson and Ladanian Tomlinson, just soaking up 400 carries like Der- Derek Henry is, is an anomaly in today's NFL like that. Uh, he is pretty much the only one. And maybe, maybe Najee Harris is kind of headed that way too. I mean, that's probably as close as you're going to find outside of Derek Henry, but Good Lord. I mean, you can find running back to production uh, almost everywhere. You can, it's hard not to find RB2 production somewhere. Yeah. I, so I've been thinking about that a lot too. And, you know, I, I think back to that draft we had where we took Alvin Kamara and then we came back and took Aaron Jones in the second round. And the debate was whether we take Aaron Jones there or go with the wide receiver. And I think in a situation like that in the past, I would have always taken the second running back. And I've, I've kind of always had a focus on getting two running backs. And now I'm seeing what you're saying, and I'm probably going to lean more into truly doing best available. If it's a wide receiver, I'll take them in the first round, second round, third round. doesn't really matter to me. I'll take two wide receivers out of three, three wide receivers out of four. You know, I'm not going to force the second running back as much specifically for that reason because these guys do emerge and you go that way. So uh, I'm kind of going to lean that way as well. But if there's, you know, the best available player is a running back, then I'm going to still take them. You know, I don't so, know, Britt, what do you think? How deep are you into – making sure you get two running backs early. It it just feels like 2021 was a little anomalous because literally everybody got hurt and I don't feel like it's normally happened that way. Of course, running backs always get hurt at a higher rate than wide receivers. And so I think because of that, I want to have some kind of depth. So I'm willing to spend that and then willing to spend like a higher pick early just to cover a bye week or cover, you know, a couple week injury, something like that. I'm still not totally sold on the zero running back situation. I think if you take three early, there are, there's a lot of value with wide receiver in later rounds, which we saw this year with Hunter Renfro with, I mean, even later on in the season, like Laquan Treadwell came on as kind of a viable wide receiver. You know, there, there are more wide receivers that you can pick up too. So I don't know. I just like that security blanket of having having running backs early in the draft. Yeah, I, I mean, I go that way often. But again, like the, I think that making the right moves on the wire is so important for every position that that's why I still am always going to be a best available guy. You know, and I truly feel like if you're somebody who devalues running backs because they get hurt and your rankings are all wide receivers at the top, you're still taking best available based on your opinion. I think where people make a mistake is where you rank guys and you say, I think that Christian McCaffrey is going to be better than Devontae Adams, but I want to go zero RB, so I'm going to pass on the better player. I think that's where you're making mistakes. When in the second round, a lot of people pass on Joe Mixon this year because they thought, well, I just I'm going to take a wide receiver. You know what I mean? So that's the only thing that I like. If you if you're at the first 20 guys on your rankings or wide receivers because you think RBs are fragile, then absolutely just draft a bunch of wide receivers, but that's how your rankings are. You know, if you make rankings for your followers or for yourself, and then you 
draft and then you just completely throw those out the window why even make them in the first place right yeah, yeah. that's absolutely true um yeah looking at like even just last year i mean between this year and last year as far as running back scoring um this has been the most uh, the 2021 had has had the most um running backs between the first and third round um you know the most rb1 finishes uh and, and then going back into 2017 um every single one of those years last year was the best year because you had those guys like Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, just constantly in the top 12. But this, this year has the most RB one finishes by running backs ninth round ADP or later. So, I mean, you're, you're hitting more ceiling projections with those running backs. That could be an anomaly too. I mean, that's, you know, going by year to year. Sure. But, I mean, if this illustrates anything, dead zone running backs are dead. <laughs> they are, I mean, it's bad. I mean, it's it was bad last year too, but it's even worse this year. I mean, you're talking about, you know, DeAndre Swift was probably the best quote unquote dead zone running back. Um, you know, Melvin Gordon had a, had a couple uh, good weeks. Javante Williams was pretty good too, uh, had four uh rb one weeks but yeah i mean dead zone is dead that's and that's where you're going to take uh you should be taking your wide receivers you're really playing with fire if you're taking running backs there it's good, well, it's good. yeah mike davis I wanna, yeah mike davis, i want to ask a oh god that was terrible um i want to ask a question though is do y'all think that that is something that's going to continue like we're seeing more and more teams use a committee style approach to running back because when you run running backs so hard year to year to year, they just fizzle out faster and their careers are shorter. So do y'all think that the league is shifting into using more of committee running backs? So that is why that works. Like the RB two is the least important position, or do you think that it's just because the status quo is happening and running backs get hurt and that's the way that it is. So I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret of mine. And I might actually share this entire grid this year. I've been talking to uh, Impemba about it for Fantasy Alarm. But I, I what I do is I create this grid, and I actually keep it and try and update it throughout the year. Um, with each each team, I divide it into five categories, right? Early down, third down, goal line, and then I have two-minute drill and running the clock out, right? Those five things that are basically the five times, five different scenarios for running back, Right. And right. you got to think about what the high leverage situations are and what create points. Like, so if you take Najee Harris, he's the answer for all five of those, right? If you take the Patriots, you know, first down is Sony Michelle, third down is James White. The goal line could be Michelle or Ramondre Stevenson. If they're winning big, it's Ramondre Stevenson. You know what I mean? It's all over the board, right? So what I'm going to start doing is I know it's going to be a split of some kind, but I'm going to try and see who, how many, like what guy check the most high leverage boxes, right? Like, so if I have Joe Mixon, or he's not even a good example. Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara, right? Who has consistently split for a while now, but he gets first down. He's in on high leverage passing downs. He's the goal line back. Gets like, everything you want. Gets everything you want. And the other guy's getting the junk. I really don't care if it's 60%, if it's a good 60%. So, you know, I, and I'm, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm hopefully this year I'm going to make that, make that public, but that's kind of what I'm doing where when you go through it and you look at it and, you know, with Mike Davis, I was like, geez, it might be quarter of passion on third down. That's where you got to kind of pump the brakes and say, okay, what if this, what if one dude is taking all the high leverage plays, you know? So that's kind of how I'm treating it moving forward. 
is that I'm going to act like it's split and just try and pick the guy that gets the better part of the split. You know? yeah, yeah, that makes complete sense. That's genius. Well, thank you. <laughs> and I and I and I meant to throw this in there because uh, when we were talking about, uh, I've got information, man. New shit has come to life. There we go. I meant to dude. throw that in there before. Yeah, yeah we're getting a little too serious. We're getting a little too serious there for a little bit. You know, I was like yelling at Britt. I was like, "What do you mean you're not drafting Christian?" Yeah, I felt it. Sorry. <laughs> right, bring out the Christmas lights, man. Come uh, on. Yeah, I know. I gotta settle down. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Holy you know, shit! First, first game back. I'm throwing haymakers. Hey, you right. really is. Yeah. You come. You're like, yeah. You're like Mike Tyson. You know, just coming back in his first fight, just throwing bombs by Andrew Galata. Spitting out ears. Sorry, Britt. What yeah, if I would have started crying? Love you guys. If you start crying, dude, I would, we would we would have to edit the intro to put that in there. I would have put. Yeah, I would have just played the intro or played one of those like uh, drunk yeah. bear behind the camera technical difficulty you know, things. But then we change her part of the intro to where it's like, it, instead of the Cooper cup part, it comes up and she's just crying. <laughs> <laughs> it would be uh, fair. It would be fair. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention, like I probably just jinxed Christian McCaffrey into getting hurt. So perfect. And it's only February. Well, I just have to say like, I've, when I've had the number one overall pick, I've been cursed with it. So I'm a little, I have a little bit of PTSD, um, I drafted David Johnson first overall and he broke his ankle the first game. I drafted Todd Gurley first overall, like a couple years later and whenever that happened and then, you know, CMC and then all of these injuries happened. So the first overall running back just really scares me from a value risk versus reward perspective, but I don't think that he'll be a bad player. I'm just not, I'm just worried about it. It's my stay, own head. Stay away from Jonathan Taylor. And Christian McCaffrey then. I think so too. Honestly, I said that in the Family Times podcast today. I think that Jonathan Taylor is going to be the consensus overall number one pick. But if you look at the historical data, the running back one has not repeated a running back one performance aside from, you know, like Christian McCaffrey. And that's because of all the PPR targets. So Christian McCaffrey actually hasn't even been the RB1 overall twice. The last person to do it was uh priest holmes yeah Ooh. i was looking it up a little while ago yeah well i think he he didn't repeat but he was like in i think he was in two non-consecutive years repeat? well marshall fuck was before priest holmes R right i think he was like 99 yeah he might have yeah i think i think priest was 2002 and 2003 the repeat yeah maybe mccaffrey's done it in two separate years but yeah the, the last repeat was uh yeah, it's not. It's definitely not a good baseline to use recency bias to draft your RB one for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, and that's the thing. Where you know, if you're doing anchor or, or running back, and you need to take like one, and then kind of set that aside and draft whatever. I mean, you really have to get into your like you need to take stands on guys. You need to be, you need to weigh, weigh the risk. Uh, but you also need to be price sensitive too. When you're talking about, you know, these running backs, like Dalvin cook is a little bit of a tough thing, but you know, I feel like with Kevin O'Connell now coming in, I mean, that could be, it could be like a Rams light kind of thing where maybe they use more Alex Madison, you know, to kind of spell Dalvin cook that could, you know, we could see that. Um, 
you know, like Dalvin Cooks, I mean, right now, Fantasy Pros has him at what? RB3? And that seems kind of, I'd rather have Eckler, I'd rather have Mixon, I'd rather have Najee. They have Christian McCaffrey at, I just don't know if this is accurate right now, Christian McCaffrey at RB7, which seems wild to me. Taylor is, yeah, God. Oh, so I was just saying, I pulled up Underdog's ADP. I feel like that's pretty, at this time of year, that's some pretty sharp, sharp ADP. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're pretty sharp. Um, so you got Taylor at one, McCaffrey at two, Henry three, Eckler four, Najee five, Dalvin six, Javante Williams seven. And then you got – well, I'll finish the top ten. Uh, Joe Mixon eight, Alvin Kamara nine, and then DeAndre Swift ten. Chubb, Chubb 11, Barkley 12. So that's your top 12. Those are your RB1s in ADP right now. I like the names – not sure I'm in the exact same order. Uh, probably not taking Javante Williams at seven personally. That's what I was going to say in a redraft or a best ball situation. Like in a dynasty, it's different, but we still don't know what's going to happen with Melvin Gordon. If they're going to try to franchise him, if they're going to try to keep him, they have a ton of cap space, which who knows. But I think that we all jumped on Javante last season and we're like, he's so good. He's going to take this away from Melvin Gordon because Melvin Gordon's old. And then Gordon did damn near an identical stat line to Javante and proved that he still got it. And I could totally see him doing that again this season. Uh, that really Javante is a name that gets right into Kev's point about, about being price sensitive though, because he's a guy where I see him at RB seven and I'm not taking him. I actually did my first under, under, uh, underdog draft the other day and I was picking at 12 and it got to 11 and he was still there. And that's where I've been thinking to myself, like in my mind, I was like, I'm never taking this guy. And in that moment I was thinking, I'm not letting him get past me at the 12, 13 with based on what's here, you know? Right. So never price yourself out. Like, get, like with price sensitive cap, that's kind of what you're talking about. Is that like, keep yourself open to a range of players. Yep. Hey, by the way, use code lightning. Uh, for a up to a hundred dollar deposit match on underdog fantasy. We'll post the links um, as it gets, you know, throughout the off season, but uh, yeah, go check that out. Definitely. Um, yeah. Javante, even to me, like I can't, I, I just don't know if I can take him over like Mixon and Camara and even like Swift. Like I just, I mean, what we know now, I mean, clearly we don't know anything about Melvin Gordon. Uh, franchise tags would be able to be applied, I think, yesterday. Nothing else. Nothing's really happened yet on that front. So um, hopefully well, we get some so news expensive. there. Thank God nothing happened because I had those four articles in uh, editing when. when <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were waiting on. Uh, is Rogers going to say anything? No, he's going to talk about oh, pharma karma or whatever that is. Thank goodness, dude. By the way, if you're you know interested in that, Google it, and you will never be interested in it again. Imagine, I imagine, so. kind of nasty. Um, yeah, so nineteen point one million dollars is the average uh, salary if you're getting tagged for a wide receiver. Um, I would argue that Devontae Adams could probably eclipse that, but. Green Bay's, I mean, they restructured Kenny Clark. So, I mean, they, they're going to have to do a lot more restructuring uh, to get out of that salary cap as a myth uh, kind of murky water there. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. There's going to be a lot of dominoes. Once one falls, usually uh, a few more dominoes fall right after. So, All right. Well, let, hey, Britt, let's, let's hear – give us one of your lessons from 2021. Let's Let's – impart some knowledge on the boys here 
Well, I'm going to be very girly in saying this, but I'm an empath and I'm very sensitive to the information around me. And when there's all this preseason noise coming in about like Jamar Chase can't catch footballs, like he doesn't have the hands because they don't have the white stripes. When they say that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get traded because Trey Lance is the prophet and the second coming. When they say that Trey Sermon is going to be the starter and then Elijah Mitchell comes in, like you just have to fade out this preseason noise. I didn't have a gut feeling on any of these players, but I let what this huge echo chamber was saying change my mind on basically everyone. I drafted Sermon. I didn't draft Chase. I stayed away from Lance, but that's just because of my 49er aversion. But um, you just, people get so caught up in their takes and it's so easy to just follow the herd and go from there. You've just got to do your own thing, like stick to your gut. I mean, Jamar Chase's ADP was 74.4 and he ended up as wide receiver three. Like everybody who didn't listen to the noise got him at a steal. And I think it's kind of important going into this next season too, because everybody knows I'm an Arkansas fan, born and born and raised. Traylon Burks is being talked about as one of the top wide receivers. I've seen mocks where he's going to go to either Cleveland. I've seen mocks where he goes to Philadelphia. If he goes there, that's going to kind of change my mind on, on how he's going to do, but my personal bias and all the noise surrounding him will probably make me draft him in a league or two. So I'm going to try to learn from this lesson last year and, and not waste or reach for somebody just because everybody else is. Yeah, there was a there's a few guys like that. Like Terrace Marshall had a great preseason. He was like the top graded PFF rookie in the preseason and not great. So yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, it's so hard to judge those games too because every team treats them differently. Like some teams don't care. Some teams put their full team out there. It's just I'm with you. I I and the thing is though, when preseason comes around. I'm still going to get fired up about preseason. I'll watch a bunch of games, going to change my mind on a bunch of guys. So I know we're saying this now, but I'm still going to play. Yeah. Um, I mean, my my echo chamber was you should be drafting more DJ Moore. And, hey, for the first four weeks, that looked pretty good. So sorry about the last uh, 13 of those weeks. But, yeah, I, I mean, I get it. And, yeah, Jamar Chase is now – I mean – that's another thing. Like wide receiver ADP is kind of flipped pretty heavily into Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson after Cooper Cup. And that I don't want to say it seems wild because it's really not, but wide receiver value is going to be fun when you're looking at like Tyree Kill and Stephon Diggs, guys like that, and you know, like like Debo Samuel. Um, you know. When you can get AJ Brown at wide receiver eight, DK Metcalf at wide receiver 10, Waddle. I mean, Jamar Chase, the only reason I wasn't drafting more of him because I was getting a better price on T. Higgins. So, I mean, that's my only thing with Chase. And yeah, I mean, that hand in hand, that goes right back into price sensitivity where, you know, Jamar Chase, I mean, I don't know anybody saw this coming, but if you, if, you know, you just drafted Bengals upon Bengals. I mean, and drafted Chase, you were you were golden. But I would have rather had T. Higgins around later. And you know, that was one of my points of contention with Chase is that 
you know, we really haven't seen anything about of him. He had taken a year off of college because of COVID and now, you know, it is, it is what it is, but yeah, I mean, you really just kind of, kind of need to form your own opinion and, you know, don't let people hyper influence you unless you're me and I'm going to be drafting a bunch of DJ Moore yet again this year, 2022. I mean, dude, like when I did that first uh, best ball draft, I was talking about, man, like you're saying though, the wide receiver ADPs are blowing my mind, like outside the top 12. So we're talking wide receiver two range. I mean, like DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Deontay Johnson. Yeah. I draft, I started off two running backs and they were all there. I took DeAndre Hopkins in the third round feels a little crazy you know but i mean kyler murray makes a couple changes his instagram picture or whatever and all of a sudden you know <laughs> guys are available later that, that's how sensitive it is in this part of the season though, you know um yeah so, yeah so it's I, like, like it kind of leans into what Britt was saying though that like you know you got to play it as the as the every year's different played as it goes and wide receivers i mean they're out there you know so we'll see i mean amari <laughs> cooper like you what was wrong with him? You know, he's he's way down there. Chris Godwin has fallen crazy far. People think, seem to think that a team is going to pay him a bunch of money and then not throw him the ball. I mean, I don't know what that what that situation is. Right. Because he was good before Tom Brady was there. Very good. Better. He's better without Tom Brady. You know, like, so we'll see. Well, I, for one, cannot wait for the Twitter echo chamber talking us into guys like Amonra St. Brown and Gabriel Davis and cd lamb cd lamb's another one just because uh, there's a lot of fact i mean i'm not taking him at wide receiver nine i mean that's just me i want i, I want dallas to actually commit to giving him routes like in like the 90 percent range before i draft him in the second round like he's pretty much going exactly where he was going you know last year which was the two three turn but well i think i'm not touching him there I think people are taking him that early because, again, the echo chamber has said that Amari Cooper is going to get traded, that Gallup's going to walk in free agency, that Cedric Wilson's going to walk in free agency, that Schultz is going to walk in free agency, that they're just not going to keep any of these offensive pieces because they're going to commit to signing their defensive pieces. And then all these people are going to implode and leave. And then Lamb's going to be the only pass catcher. But that's like a very outlier scenario that everybody's relying on to set lambs adp at yeah, i mean if it's going to be highly consolidated target shares between the two guys then i'll just wait and take amari cooper a lot later you know what i mean and tony pollard baby yeah. rb2 we've seen this before where you have overcorrection by defenses and, and not, it's not always necessarily overcorrection sometimes they just realize the other players better right so let's say the entire community has agreed that cd lamb is better than mario cooper which seems to be the case don't you think that defenses are going to start figuring that out too? Like we saw the same thing with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders on the Broncos where, you know, Demarius was the young guy and, um, and then he had the big year. And then all of a sudden defenses were so on Demarius Thomas that all of a sudden Emmanuel Sanders was killing it and they both did well, but you know, and we saw this, here's another example, Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. Was Juju better than Antonio Brown? No, but people were taking away Antonio Brown and Juju was there. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, right? Like, are defenses really going to – if C.D. Lamb really is that much better than Amari Cooper, are they going to spend all their assets and times stopping Amari Cooper and just letting C.D. Lamb rack up all these yards? Like, if C.D. Lamb is the better player, like everyone seems to say, wouldn't that be better for Amari Cooper? Jamar Chase and this man. 
T. Higgins. See? Right? It's like they open it up for each other. And for me, that makes me want to take the guy that's farther down. I mean, Adam Thielen was doing pretty well until he got hurt. And he was much cheaper than Justin. Well, the thing is, he scored too many touchdowns. There's like, there's no way he's going to do that again. He can't, he scored way too many touchdowns. I'm sorry. The government stepped in and shut Adam Thielen down because he was yeah. scoring far. They too found many out touchdowns. his government name and they put him down. Yeah. They were like, they were, they can't allow this, you know, Illuminati. Not again. Not again. Except it's going to happen again. <laughs> 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 of course it is. Of course it is. Adam Thielen is going to be on. A, he's going to be that gif of the guy at that the the ninety year old guy in the walker running in a touchdown. That's going to be Adam Thielen. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I got a good one here, um, and this one comes with a little question and answer portion. Um, not sure which players to go with yet, but here's here's what I've been kind of toying with this off season, and that this this is about how to build a bench, right? And what I'm thinking about really is how is think about the guys I'm drafting and how much leash I'm willing to give those players, especially at quarterback and tight end, right? Because that's how you should determine how early you should draft the backup, in my opinion, right? Like, let's take the biggest and easiest example, Travis Kelsey, right? Travis Kelsey, if you draft him as your tight end, you don't need to draft another tight end. You're planning on just drafting a tight end for the bye week, right? Like, that's the strategy. Yeah, like, how am I drafting him? So – how many weeks? This is a hypothetical. How many weeks? If so, say Travis Kelsey comes out week one and in full PPR scores less than seven points, right? You're not benching him the next week. How many weeks in a row would he need to do that for you to bench him? Maybe I may just start him the entire year. You know what I mean? Like with a guy like, like it's that. Just, a guy like that. I mean, if there unless there's like unless like Patrick Mahomes gets hurt or something that's like affecting his value. Like if it's as constructed this offense, I'm not, I'm not benching him. Right. Yeah. So, oh, sorry, it would, well, it would just be a lot of factors for me. Like, is he has his uh, routes run percentage gone down? Has his target right. share gone down? Has he dropped balls? Like it would, it wouldn't be one just catch all answer. It would just have to be like a totality of the circumstances, I guess. But I mean, we saw that with kind of Allen Robinson this year, right? Like that's where the start your studs mentality goes wrong because Allen Robinson did not do well in this system. He put up a career low aside from that one season where he got hurt, had one touchdown, but people were still just so hell bent on starting him because he's the stud. I think Kelsey doesn't necessarily fit into that range, but when he does start to go downhill, which he will, because he is getting older. You've just got to take everything into consideration. All right. So now let me give you another one. Let me say, let's say you draft Kyle Pitts as the third tight end off the board. How many weeks do you give him? I it's think a totally different. It's a totally different number. It's yeah, realistically, it it's a totally yeah, right. different number. It's a shorter number, right? So, but I mean, he's the third tight end off the board. So do you want to draft him as the third tight end in that sense? Right. So that that's what I'm thinking about in terms of like ways that I can like things that I can learn from this last year. Let's take Dallas Goddard, right? Dallas Goddard. If he comes out and has three games of less than seven points, are you going to start him in week four? Ugh. Depends on Again, what's out there, but probably. Right. So I'll probably like, be searching. Right. So yeah, it's like, be, where do you, yeah. where do you draw the line? So like if you're, after the first eight tight ends, you get into that range of like, 
you know, Dawson Knox, Pat Frymuth, where you should They're be all drafting. Yeah, and you were drafting two tight ends at that point anyway, right? So where do we draw the line on guys where you're like, George Kittle, you draft him, you're probably not drafting another tight end. But, you know, you get into Dawson Knox, Dallas Goddard. When do we... When do we think I better be safe here and take a second tight end? Same with quarterback, really, because quarterback is even harder. Like it's it's so hard to bench quarterbacks. Like Patrick Mahomes this year, you couldn't bench him. You know what I mean? But he had some brutal stretches. So it's like, where do you draw the line on drafting two guys versus one? I think I'm going to spend a lot of time this offseason, especially a tight end, because that's where they really focus on trying to make that decision. Because the, the worst thing you can do, and I see guys do it all the time, is say, I'm just going to draft a QB late or a tight end late, and then they just draft one tight end and they stick with them the entire year. And the worst thing that can happen for that team, the worst thing that can happen for that fantasy player is for them to win all those games with a – like say you have a great team except your tight end sucks, and you win all the way and get all the way to the playoffs. You're starting like Jared Cook. Right, and it's like you're you're winning in spite of that situation, and then that's the recipe for coming in third place. You know yeah, what I mean? Because you all sense of security. Exactly. Like that's the worst thing that can happen to a player. And I've seen it happen so many times and I'll, I'll sit in my leagues and I'll watch it happen. And I obviously I'm not going to turn to the guy and be like, Hey man, like your team's good, but you're, you're tight at your quarterback and tight end are going to murder you one of these weeks. You know, like I'm not going to tell them that, but I'll tell anyone watching this and you guys that, that like they have, you can't be complacent. And so for me, I'm a big fan of drafting two or, you know, drafting one high end quarterback. So I don't have to draft another or drafting one high-end tight end, so I have to draft another. But, like, I'm this year I'm going to focus a lot more on where I'm going to draw that line and when I'm going to really say to myself, the leash on my starter is so short that I want two guys on my team right away from the start. Well, I think it's kind of what you said with running backs. You have that grid of prime carries and prime snaps and, you know, prime situations. I think that that factors into how long that leash is with these different players. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. And same thing with, like you were saying, with the routes run and things like that. Like, the, the thing with tight end, though, is is the routes run can be there sometimes. It would be brutal. Ian Thomas, the year before last. All exercise, baby. Kev Thompkins, the Kev, the Kev Thompkins uh, patent pending all exercise team, like Captain Megastar. Megastar. Like, his, uh, like Lifetime Achievement Award winner. His yards per route run had like a, had like a zero in the front of it. It was like .0 something. <laughs> Like ruining the formula, really, that guy. So, like, you know, th- those are the things where it's like on paper, Ian Thomas was doing everything except for having someone throw him the ball. So, a lot of times, it, it's just tough. It's tough with those positions. So, uh, you know, that's a big one for me where I'm gonna where I'm really gonna think about that in terms of those linear positions. Defense, too. I mean, like, I don't know. You know, it's it's hard to carry two if you have really shallow benches but at the same time if you have shallow benches that's maybe you need to think about that in terms of leaning into a really high-end quarterback or tight end you know yeah yep um so i saw axel's question in here and i thought it was pretty interesting too just a questionable quarterbacks uh in about a third of the top uh so i'm guessing in the top you know first four or five rounds i would say probably more the first four affect their value as far as i mean the quarterback, I mean, I'm, I'm not touching really quarterbacks unless it has to do with a stack. Um, I mean, in that kind no, no, of, I, I think what sense. Axel's, I think what Axel's getting at is that when you look at the top 12 running backs, about a third of them have brutal quarterback situations. So I think yep. he's talking about oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Jonathan Taylor's quarterback. Christian McCaffrey is a quarterback situation. 
Najee Harris has, I don't know, who, who is the quarterback for that football team? Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph, baby. Yeah. So that's a great question by Axel where, you know, uh, Alvin Kamar. So right there, there's, I mean, you could even say Swift. Like Goff might is better than a lot of those quarterback situations. So Axel, that's a good point. It's very difficult to score touchdowns when your team isn't scoring touchdowns, you know? I think at this point, that's why doing the best balls are so difficult right now because free agency hasn't even really hit. The draft hasn't really hit. I think that even getting, you know, a veteran presence in some of these teams just to kind of mentor these bad, bad young quarterbacks could help them a lot. And we're also going to have to see like what they do with their lines and what they do. It's just, it's too early to answer that question, but if things stay the way that they are currently, yes, it does affect them. I mean, Javante Williams is being drafted as if the quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. Right. Pretty much. John Elway. I mean, but to be fair, he did pretty well with Bridgewater and Drew Locke. So he's kind of proven that they're going to be okay, but I still don't think that I would take him at the ADP where he's going currently. There's been plenty of time to take him at RB seven if things do pan out the right way. You know, I mean, because he's for me, let's say they get Jimmy Garoppolo and Melvin Gordon's gone. Like, how much higher does he really go? RB three, four? I mean, like, I'm still gonna take Eckler in full PPR, right? Like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. And and then you also think about Nathaniel Hackett, who, you know, it's coming out of the LaFleur slash Shanahan tree where it could be multiple still multiple running. I mean, it's not a foregone conclusion that Melvin Gordon doesn't come back. I mean, I'm leaning. I, I was just going to say I'm leaning towards the fact that he does come back. I think that they they have plenty of cap space. I think they can figure it out. I think he does. Yeah. So I mean, that's why in like these early drafts, I just I it seems like an unnecessary risk. If you could take him where DeAndre Swift is going, right? Like twelve. You know what I mean? I like Swift this year. I didn't like Swift last year because I thought that they were going to, you know. Uh, potentially lean into Jamal Williams to keep the wear and tear off Swift. They didn't do that at all. They ran Swift in the ground until he got hurt. I thought it was pretty stupid, but stupid coaches and stupid teams are amazing for fantasy football. Just remember, remember when Eli Manning was just throwing it up to Odell Beckham Jr. every single play? That was pretty stupid, but it was so good for fantasy football. You know what I mean? Like Blake River- Bortles throwing it up to Allen Robinson. Awesome. Awesome. That's you know, beautiful. Like, Riverboat Ron using the same 11 players every single snap until they're hurt on the Panthers. Like that was great for fantasy <laughs> football, you know, like that's, it's, yeah. it's stupid. And then you look at Bill Belichick, who's like the smartest coach ever. And he uses like three different running backs and a bunch of tight ends and fullbacks and nobody's ever good for fantasy. Michael like, who Manui. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like you know, James, uh, Jacob Johnson, Jacob Johnson, a pathway program player international pathway program player that didn't even play football he played rugby in 2020 he played more snaps than any running back on the team more than sony michelle more than james white like that's that's terrible for fantasy and he's like the smartest coach like give me the stupidest coach that's like you know (laughs) just throw it to that one dude every play so it goes the same play over and over again you know like i love that for sure 180 targets for one guy like that's the best for fantasy yeah well, to, to to go on the, the underdog kind of um, slant there, I mean, doing drafts now, I mean, that's where really you can find your edges. Javante Williams, not an edge. 
Aaron Jones going in the fourth round is an absolute edge. Because if Aaron Rodgers comes back, bump him up two rounds. He got him on the fourth. There you go. Like, there are ways that you can, you know, doing drafts now. I mean, all the rookies. I mean, you're seeing guys like Brees Hall go in, like, the fifth round where they, you know, if they land in a good spot, like maybe like a Miami or something. I mean, that could be, you know, it could be a third rounder. Guys like, um, you know, Traylon Burks, um, all the wide, those wide receivers, um, you know, you're getting them in a steep, steep discount where, before they even get a landing spot. Yeah, you could probably hit a landmine, whoever gets drafted to the uh, the Washington commies. I mean, Bro, that's what I, it is. But, I mean, that th- th- doing the drafts now, I mean, you can, you can find those types of edges, um, you know, that, you know, obviously people are depressing Green Bay because of the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. Um, I mean, what, Adams is what, wide receiver five right now, I believe, on underdog? Yeah, I mean... That, you know, that's that's an edge. You know me. I like I like hate rookies, dude. But I when I do underdog, I take a ton of them. I the one I just did. These are my my running backs are Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Swift, Zeke. You know, like Chris Carson, J.D. McKissick. These are my wide receivers: Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Traylon Burks, Allen Robinson, Drake London, George Pickens, Antonio Brown. Like I'm just like you know what? I'm trying to win this big board thing. You know, I'll just take insane players you know what i mean like who cares if i lose it's 10 bucks but what if Traylon burks is amazing you know what i mean like then i just i might have just won like what if dalvin cook and deandre swift are what they're supposed to be and then Traylon burks is amazing and i have deandre hopkins and michael thomas like and alan robinson finds a new team like i'm just like thinking to myself i'm like how far down in this draft can i pick somebody that can be the number one guy at his position you know well and just Justin Ross is going undrafted in a lot of these best balls and Justin Ross is good. Like, I mean, it's just, he's an extreme value for me. Like I watched him, obviously he had that back problem at Clemson, but he apparently got it figured out from all accounts. And I think that that kid might be this year's Amon Ross St. Brown. Sign me up. Kev, who do you think my three tight ends are in this draft? If you had to guess. Zach Ertz, Evan Engram. Um, I don't even know the third. I'm trying to think. Uh, Joe Everett, take a hometown discount for the third. So I, Evan Ingram, obviously is on the squad. I went Mike Mike Gusecki. Yeah, if he lands somewhere that that actually wants to use him as a receiving tight end. Yeah, Mike Gusecki, Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram. Uh, Hunter, uh, the Hen House. The Hen House. Yeah, I gotta go with the Hen House because I, I. The thing about Gasecki, Ertz, Ingram, which is awesome, a stack, but they're all free agents. So that you're kind of throwing it all. You're throwing, you're doing that's 52 pickup. You're just throwing the cards in the air with that yeah. stack, you know? But I mean, why not? You know, but I, I drafted I two I'd... tight ends in mine and I have, I have Ertz and Ingram. I mean, I took them both. Why not? They land in advantageous spots. I mean, uh, the, the, the one I did actually did with Britt. I mean, that's the only one that I've done so far, but I took Trey Lance. I mean, whatever. Uh, it's the, the North Dakota thing. I got to appease the, the locals here. Uh, but yeah, two uh, Cam Akers. I took uh, Pollard, Pen- Rashad Penny. I mean, Chris Carson, you know, Rashad Penny, if he could find a foothold, why, why not? I mean, why can't he parlay what he did at the end of last year into a, an actual starting gig? Um, you know, and I took David Bell, George Pickens, and my guy I will not shut up about, 
uh, for the rest of 2022, Christian Watson. Yep. I want Watson on the Patriots. I feel like he's going to go to like Washington or somewhere that's going to like win. Or like Kansas City. Beat writers are talking about Christian Watson, Alex Barth, and uh, Evan Evan Lazar. Those are those are those are the two guys I like best out here for New England guys. Anybody out there who's a New England fan, those two are the those two are the guys that follow. Don't follow the guys on the radio. If they have a radio show, don't follow. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean Watson. I've been talking about him since like 2019. Um, I mean, the dude's like six, four can, he had one of the fastest recording recorded top speeds. Um, I believe in all of FBS and FCS like 22, like, like most it was. So, I mean, big dudes that can run fast. That's like the Marquez Valdez scantling right there. And he's probably going to end up going in like the, he might go third round or so. I mean, if he goes, yeah. if he goes in the third round, I love him. If he goes in the fourth round, he's dead to me. That's just so harsh. That's just the way it is. That's the way it is. And I, it's not just like historically speaking. That's usually the case. That after that, you get smoked. But it makes a lot of sense because I mean, you also have to factor in that in the modern NFL with compens- compensatory picks, the third, the fourth round is doesn't start right after the third round. It starts ten picks after the third round. You know what I mean? Like the third round is, is long, right? Like Josh Palmer went towards the end middle of the third round and Equinium and um, Almond Ross St. Brown went towards the middle, right? There were a full 32 picks between those guys because of those comp picks and the fifth round, it gets even worse because there's another 10 picks. The sixth round in reality is the seventh round. You know what I mean? Like if you really do the math, there's another 30 picks in there. So uh, I don't know. The farther down the draft, uh, they, they scare me. And, I just, you know, it's just the way it is. But yeah, I guess dead is probably a tough word. I'm coming out. I'm coming out with some, a little rough around the edges tonight, Brett. You're so brutal. Someone's well, got hey, well, I was about to say, I'm like, what about people like James Robinson and Adam Thielen and people like that who didn't even get drafted? Like, do you just have your own like draft dead zone? Or <laughs> no, like Adam Thielen, the thing about Adam Thielen, right? So take all these guys that went undrafted, right? More than half of them. No one drafted them in your dynasty league. They were just on waivers. Adam Thielen didn't do anything until he was 27 years old. Like he was right. at home with like wearing Batman pajamas or whatever until he was like 26 years old. Like same with Julian Edelman. Same with Wes Welker. Like all these white dudes are just hanging out for a long time before they actually. Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler. I mean, like a lot of these undrafted guys. Like how many undrafted guys actually pop as rookies? I mean, Preston Williams. The you know the last who the last player was. To have a um, Philip Lindsay, no, no, the last wide receiver was um, he was the last running back to have a thousand. I think he had a thousand yards his rookie year, I believe. Um, now I forgot the guy's name. Sorry, off track. The um, I tried to do one of those Wheel of Fortune, no letters have been revealed, but <laughs> I'm gonna guess the answer. So, hold on, you guys talk about undrafted free agents for one second. Philip Lindsay. That's all well, I got. Even after, you know, Lindsay's rookie season, everybody kind of figured him out and he didn't really do anything after that. But I mean, there are a few gems here and there. People are always going to get the recruiting wrong. I mean, Cooper Cup. Like, let's talk about Cooper Cup. <laughs> well, he was a third round pick. So I would like him. 
And so that's that's the point there on that. But anyway, okay, here's a trivia question. What was the last undrafted free agent to finish as a wide receiver three or better? So anywhere in the top 36. Who is it? Who is the last undrafted as a rookie? As a rookie, undrafted free agent as a rookie to finish as a top 36 wide receiver. So anywhere that's even startable. I'm gonna guess Victor Cruz. Not a bad guess. He played for the same this guy played for the same team. And here I'll give you a hint. You're never ever gonna guess it. Because it's I was going to say Andy Isabella. That's the only other guy I know that went to UMass. No, it's no. He went to the. He played for the same team in. Oh, yeah. but oh. you'll never, you'll never get it because it was Bobby Johnson in 1984. Okay. Yes. So no one was going to get that because it's not. We weren't even born. Right. <laughs> I was. It, it doesn't happen. I was a. I was a spec. Right. The closest one was probably Preston Williams. Right. He was the closest yeah. to being in that category. And had he not gotten hurt, maybe he would have been the next Bobby Johnson. Right. And, like, and it wasn't he, and he was like a good wide receiver. I believe he only didn't get drafted because of disciplinary reasons. Right. Right. He pushed his girlfriend. He broke, he pushed his girlfriend and then they, she got a restraining order against him. And then he called her over a hundred times until they basically had to come and arrest him and like that was the character issue thing that brought him all the jump not to mention he got kicked out of one school for smoking weed and had to go to a different school and then that happened at the different school right so like yeah that was what but he went to right. baylor i believe yeah and you look at a lot of these guys right baylor exactly he went no he went to he got kicked out of somewhere and went to colorado state but like that's the situation with these guys man like tyree kill he's not a real fifth round pick he choked his pregnant girlfriend and nobody wanted to take him he should have been like a yeah. second round pick. Like Antonio Brown, Greg Gabriel said he was crazy. Straight up said this guy's crazy. No, that's why he went to the sixth round. It's like when you really start like breaking them all down, Britt, it's like there's so few guys that are just like nobody knew this guy was good except for one scout. It's like that, you know, it's just I don't know. I trust the numbers. I but I do I will agree that it's it's fun to dream and think like I, you know, that it is fun to find that one guy, you know, but I don't know. I just don't just doesn't seem like a good investment in my capital. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. but there are, I mean, there are Adam Thielen's out there. It's just, I feel like you can get it. It's I'm better. I'd rather pick them up off waivers once they start doing something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, other than that, I mean, anything else we want to hit before we uh, duck on out of here? Is it that time already? Yeah. It's almost that time. We're, we're almost at the hour mark. I mean, honestly. Makes no sense at all. <laughs> you got to uh, play the hits. Maybe yeah, if Coop it. didn't have to defend himself about being so mean. <laughs> I wouldn't take up so much. First of all, it's not. I, I mean, if you listen, if you listen to the last part, I don't think that was even particularly mean. I think I I backed it up with quite a bit of no, data. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, and once you, but I mean, I feel I feel the right to be mean to guys drafted after the fourth round. But hey, you know, I'm on Ross St. Brown might be the next Jameson Crowder, and then we'll all be like, wow, fourth round picks. Or he might be the next. Um... He's Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like he gets, he's starting to get some more pub- publicity on the pods here. A Sanders, South think... Carolina, by the way. Oh, he's a Gamecock. Yeah. What was last he's, time? He's that... I only know that because I did a NCAA um, dynasty, like the online one. 
and I was South Carolina and I had Steven Garcia as my quarterback. And I recognize, I, I only know that because I nicknamed him Steven Fuckface Garcia because I hated him. And I believe he like, he had some disciplinary stuff too. I think he ended up going to like Miami, but yeah. Um, who's the, uh, Marcus Lattimore, I believe is the running back Alshon Jeffrey. Um, I can't remember the tight end that they had, but he played for the Rams. Dominic bird. I think he bird, dude. but I mean, that's so that's a nasty squad though. Jadavian Clowney, Stefan Gilmore. They had Melvin Ingram, yeah, Marcus Lattimore, man. What a shame with the knee injury. That was, yeah, he was going to be a really good running. I mean, the 49ers drafted him. I mean, just, just to see if he could still, I mean, I believe he was like, ended up being like a third round pick still just based on what he did in college. Before we go, Britt, since we have a real college football fan here, What's a, what, give me a give me a running give me a running back that you think is, is sneaky a, a sneaky running back that if he gets the right landing spot you'll be you'll be excited. So I don't know if it's sneaky or not, but I honestly kind of like Rashad White. Mm, like that's sneaky. That's sneaky. I drafted I, him. Yeah. yeah, I so I did the projections for the college football thing, and I was in charge of Pac-12 and ACC. And in doing the projections every single week for Rashad White, like even though he had to split time and split carries and do all this, like he managed to produce. And I think if he gets put in the right situation that nobody's really talking about him, but he could kind of blow up. He's going off the board at RB 46 on underdog. So if you want him, you can have him. You know, it's my kind of territory right there. I drafted him. I'll fully or disclose that I drafted him in the big board. Like I did it. He's, yeah, I mean, he but be, in the big board yeah. that we did, I drafted him. I know you sniper. <laughs> I and uh, as my RB four, I took him at pick one forty seven, next to Acres, Pollard, Penny, and uh, JD McKissick. So that's pretty good value. Like, yeah. I take him ahead of you know in a big board where it's like you're trying to win big money. You're really gonna take Gus Edwards over Rashad. I mean, like, I like Gus Edwards. In like Jamal a, Williams, yeah. If it's like a twelve-person league, maybe a Gus Edwards. But if I'm trying to hit big, you know, yeah, best yeah I'm not drafting animal. like Xavier Jones or like Gus. The weeks that Gus Travis Edwards Palmer. is sliding into your lineup, you're kind of in trouble. You know, <laughs> if he slides in your lineup three or four times, then you're probably already out of the money. Gus yeah. Edwards ain't sliding. Out. Have you seen that? He ain't sliding anywhere. He's a big fella. He's like that dude's never slid in his life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he can plunge in a one-yard TD if you give him three carries. Yeah, the old Jerome Bettis, three carries, one yard, one t- three touchdown line. <laughs> the old Mike, Alst- Mike Allstott. <laughs> You're in good hands with Allstott. By the way, today I learned Travis Homer had an RB one week <laughs> this year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he years. had that monster Thanks. touchdown. He had like a 60-yard touchdown. Like, like I'm looking at like the zero RB guys that score like like Justin Jackson was overall RB one that week where Eckler was out. So I'm like, I remember that. But, but a lot like, of that was so much garbage too. So that doesn't even like really Hey, count. I remember starting him in DFS that week. Oh, I completely started him in DFS that week. 100%. I'm just saying, like it was if you're actually like analyzing, it was garbage. Derek, like the 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 all star, the zero RB all stars that had 
our uh, RB one weeks. Derek Gore had one in week fourteen. Oh God. Um, Duke Johnson was overall RB one in week fifteen. Tra- Travis Homer's RB one week. He had eighty yards, ru- eighty yards rushing with a seventy-three yard touchdown. <laughs> Even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. But oh, my God, the running back scoring that week must have been just god awful. Well, he also had five, uh, four catches. I mean, dude, they just decided that was this week, man. Compiler, Boston Scott had two RB one weeks. Brandon Bold, James White had one in week two. Bro, I'm telling you, James White, like, if you look at the past few years, dude, he has caught a pass in like every single game he's played in, going back to like 2017. And yeah, the the Hufflepuff Gryffindor uh, Patriot system there, yeah. Modified Erhart. Perkins. Could we be seeing that in uh, a little more of that in the, in uh, Las Vegas with McDaniel's in the? Uh, I'm, I'm hoping, yeah. I'm hoping the Patriots. Seat. I'm hoping the Patriots bring back Charlie Weiss to be offensive coordinator. It's about time. Twenty been twenty years or so. Just bring him back at this point, you know. But I, I mean, James White could end up going to the Raiders. There's been some old rumor mill about that. That'd be annoying, huh? Or maybe Nick Casario wants to wield that poison pen and sign every other dusty running back out there. I mean, he's trying to be Belichick right now. I mean, the dude's what? Isn't he wearing a headset and like trying to be Belichick in Houston? He's trying, man. Like they've got so many weird characters over there. What's with that guy that like priest that they have over there? Jack, you ever heard of Jack Easterby? Actually, yes, I've heard of him. Dude, he's like. He's like, like, is a, he like the assistant GM? So he was supposed to be the team chaplain. That was just like the like religious guide that was like, you know, having people for counseling or whatever. And then he's like rose through the ranks to being, to making like player personnel decisions and was supposedly the one that said that he thought that DeAndre Hopkins was a bad egg and they needed to like get rid of him. Which like that, we uh, need separation of church and state here, man. I, I think really you're right. <laughs> it's, it's turning some weird like cult over there, you know? It's like yeah, oh, no. it's a hippie style. commune. Yeah, I'm telling you, Jackie should be super weird. Yeah, that whole situation. I mean, uh, I don't even know how you even like. I mean, now that now there's rumors about like and and everybody getting like Brandon Cooks getting traded now. And Tunsil just, getting traded back. Yeah, Tunsil. Like who? Trade him. Do you trade Tunsil to trade- the? Bengals. Bengals. Yeah. See how we said it at the same time. Jinx. Yeah, that would be great. Which Bengals. would be dope. It would be great. And the Bengals mm-hmm. have like a ton of cap space. But just like, why would the Texans give up that many picks to even bring Tunzel in and then just blow everything up? Like, it's just because so. Because Texans. Because Texas. Yeah, man. Because uh, Jack Easterby consulted his Ouija board and decided that he was a bad character. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's like, like um, gas uh, mask, like, weed mask. Hector, Hector Salamanca in Breaking Bad, where he's got the, the bing, lady bing, holds bing, up bing, the chart bing, and he's bing, bing. dinging the bell. For real, though, I think that's. And also, if Kevin Fox season didn't, uh, you know that he that ended when he was like fifty-seven. James White season's never ending. It's never ending, Geek Mill. Not for me. Not for me, dog. <laughs> white, old white shoes, Jimmy Blanco, bring him back. Woo. What? <laughs> Jimmy James White, Jimmy Blanco, Jimmy. Okay, that makes sense. It's like um, they call him uh, Sweet Feet. Was, that's that's what his nickname is, Sweet Feet. 
My dad used to call, or actually they used to call, uh, remember uh, he played for the Cleveland, uh, the Guardians now, sorry, I can't say that, uh, the other I word, uh, Jose Mesa, the old closer, translated to Spanish, it's Joe Table. Joey Tables, dude, that's, that's a solid <laughs> one. They used to so, call, they used to call, the nickname for that first baseman, uh, Evan White, they, they would call him um, El Oso Blanco. When he I played. remember that. Yeah. Like, and like baseball reference, because like if you go on pro football reference, they have weird nicknames. Evan Gaddis. Um, those are weird. Evan Gaddis. Also Blanco, which he, he got when he was playing in Venezuela. It means the white bear. <laughs> there was one for um, Kyler Fackrell um, that no, I mean, he played in Green Bay for four or five years and nobody ever called him the freak ever. Like not even if there's a fire, but apparently that's his nickname <laughs> that here. Javon yeah. Curse is the freak, in my opinion, or yeah, Tim or Tim Lincecum. Tim Lincecum, man, but but he's big time Timmy Jim, really. Yeah, high times for old Timmy Lincecum. What's your favorite sports nickname, Britt? Well, I was just gonna say in reference to the table thing, I worked at a restaurant called Table Mesa. Which just translated to table table. Table table. <laughs> <laughs> so I would tell everyone that I was going to the old table table, and they had no idea what I was <laughs> no talking idea. about. Yeah, and I'm like, right. no table mesa. It's it's a it's a table table, and I just had to explain it. And then I was like, nope. But every time I still think of that restaurant, I'm just like, I worked at a place called Table Table. <laughs> there was a there was a catcher for the Mariners back in the day. His name is Jesus Sucre, so Jesus Sugar. Jesus Sugar, that's a name. okay. I like that. Well, we should give when Jameson Tyone comes on the pod. We'll 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 give him the nickname uh, Table Mesa. <laughs> <laughs> L Table Table. Oh man, yeah, that's gonna yeah, that's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, Jameson Tyon, New York Yankees pitcher, will be on next week. Um, I it's, we we're, we hit an hour and ten minutes. I think uh, probably wrap her up here. It's gotta be late for you there, Coop. Yeah, it's late, man. I just like talking to you guys, man. I miss you guys, and even though I yelled at Britt a little bit, <laughs> you know, we're getting we're <laughs> we're we're you know we're working out the kinks here, you know, so. Uh, but yeah, we're doing, we're doing a draft next week, right? Is are we all going to be in the draft, or are we just help? Yeah, I, yeah. Let's. I'm I'm going to set it up, you know, and see. You know, I hope we can all get in there, and uh, maybe Gary will get in. We'll see. We're going to get some followers in the in the draft. Can we get a? Uh, can we get some folks in, dude? Yeah, we'll we'll absolutely get some. Uh, uh, Axel, uh, we'll uh, get you in the draft if you want to get in on uh, on old underdog. I'm pretty uh, sure my husband yeah. will do it. Let's, hey, the people that are in here right now, Axel and Geek Mill, and uh, you know anybody anybody that watches this after the fact, reply in the stream, and we'll see if we can get you guys right. In to or send a us little, a DM. Yeah, do what send you us a do DM. To... We'll see if we can get you in with the uh, with an MLB pitcher, right? Exactly. Um, oh, yeah. I help. See, I helped him with his draft uh, that he did with uh, in the Yankee clubhouse, and uh, took Saquon Barkley. Uh, probably. Yeah, uh, didn't end super great, but uh, great idea. Yeah, it is what it is. But you know, well, well it's it's February. There's a lot. Oh, it will be March when we actually draft. So it will be March. It'll be one month closer. I mean, free agency's almost here. I mean, it seems like we're, the Super Bowl. I mean, Super Bowl did just was here. 
and now we're already up to free agency in like a couple weeks. It's we, like I haven't even slept since it's been over. Oh, I haven't. I've been up writing those articles about tedious free agent articles. But uh, the uh, free agency really starts when the legal tampering period opens, so March 14th, because you get all the announcements then. Don't believe yep. the don't believe that 16th deadline. That's not real. It's fake. Fake news. Fake. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll uh we'll we'll get everybody into that draft. It's going to be a fun draft and uh yeah, I will uh either yeah, send us a DM. We'll we'll get you in. Absolutely. And uh other than that, I think we're going to Yes. Oh, also I can't I don't know why I can't <laughs> zoom it out like totally all the way. But ah! <laughs> I have to like dip in. You have to get gravy in it. Yeah. I do. Well, I don't know why. We'll work I on mean, it. It's our first one back. So now, and now I'm out of focus. Oh, well. All right. We're out of here. Um, uh, we will see you next week.